And, and if you understand that and you're comfortable within your own bones and you're within your own skin, um, you'll do very well. Um, if you're not comfortable within yourself and you're constantly looking for others to, to make you feel one way or another, you're going to struggle. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Melt Podcast, where we open our minds through interesting conversation and destroy our biases in the process. Today, I have a very special guest, um, Mr. Bill Cole. He's a mentor at Valley Venture Mentors, and he's been an entrepreneur for a long time. So welcome to the podcast, and I really appreciate you coming on here. So I really want to talk about your early experiences as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I know you started out in like the stereo industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one of the biggest problems you faced as a new business owner? Well, I think it, like anybody, it's it's experience. So, so you're, you have a severe, you, you always start out with a severe lack of experience. And, you know, you can be as smart as you want. You can read any books you want or, you know, of course, today you could go out on the Internet and find out a lot of things. But if you have no experience, then... You know, you, you you're just lacking that, and, it, and until you get the experience, you're going to lack it. That's just the way it is, you know. And I think that's everything. And part of the thing is that I think every young person goes through is, you know, it's the chicken and the egg thing, right? So how do I get to be this without actually being this first? <laughs> you know, if I have no experience, then nobody's going to hire me, right? So how do I get experience if nobody hires me, right? So that that's a that's it doesn't matter whether you're entrepreneurial or not. You know, even even just a regular job. That's that has an effect, right? So that's the young person's dilemma, I think, in general. And I certainly experienced that, you know, big time when I was your age, for yeah. sure. You so, know. like, how did you get your foot in the door and, like, start gaining experience? So, so I kind of did it the old-fashioned way. So uh, my story starts out where I basically... I was into woodworking and I was kind of into electronics and this is back way, way before computers and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I was really into stereo systems and, and music and I decided at some point, and my parents were very supportive, uh, thankfully, uh, and so I built my own speakers, you know, a pair of speakers for myself. I mean, I had no intention otherwise. Um, I just wanted to build a pair for myself the way I wanted to build them and so on and so forth. And I did that. And what happened was my friends would come over and they're like, wow, those are awesome. You know, it's like, how much you want for those? And so the light bulb went off and I said, I kind of went, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, I could sell these. So how much would you pay me for these? <laughs> you know, um, so they paid me good money. It was a couple hundred bucks, you know, at the time. And back in that day, that was that was a decent amount of money. And, and especially at my age at the time was about 16. And the reality is I, I had the notion at that point, but again, I had no, you know, specific path or anything that I had in mind. I just, I kind of just realized, oh, I could make money doing that. Um, and that's really all it was at the time. And I kept doing it. You know, I kept selling speakers and I kept going through the process. And eventually, once I get to be sort of the college age, um, I was never a, a good academic person. I never really fit in the box. And so for me, having a business idea was kind of the answer to that. You know, instead of being sort of stuck in a classroom where I just hated it and didn't want to be there and didn't. Did you like a, a purpose? Yeah, it gave me a purpose and it gave me something to convince my father <laughs> that I was going to be able to make some money, you know, even though I wasn't necessarily doing great academically. Um, and, you know, he was supportive but cautious. You know, he wasn't. Uh, he knew that it would be hard to be an entrepreneur, you know, especially back then. There was not, there was no internet. Yeah, you know, a lot harder to get out. A lot harder, you know. And so I literally had to get out there, like literally, physically get out there and and talk to people and kind of do what you're doing, which is just kind of 
talk to older folks who have gotten some experience and all that kind of stuff and, and see, you know, what it was like for them and kind of learn from some of their mistakes maybe and things like that, you know. What allowed you to grow your kind of speaker company? Because I know it turned out to be a very successful thing. Yep, yep. So in the end, um, following my father's advice, what I ended up doing was at the time there were small... Uh, what they kind of call boutique type of uh, audio video stores. And so I started working for them um, just as a salesperson on the floor and then ultimately worked my way up to being a manager of those stores. Uh, they were great little stores and they were they sold, you know, electronics. So it was like right up my alley, you know, it's exactly kind of what I wanted to do. And eventually, you know, I learned a lot from doing that, obviously, and from working in that environment. Obviously, I was working for a company that was already successful at doing what I ultimately wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do it differently. Um, I wanted, of course, do custom stuff. I didn't want to just sell retail products. You know, um, I wanted to literally create a company that um, would come in and talk with you and design a system for your space and think about the acoustics of the room and you know get into all the lighting control and all the different things. You know that it took. More personalized. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's way more. Uh, honestly, it's way more for the wealthy uh, segments uh, of, of of the population because ultimately they were the only ones that could afford it so uh, I had to sort of you know what what kept happening was I would be working at these retail stores and, and one of the clients would come in and buy some speakers from me and then they'd want to buy another pair of speakers and they were like well I want to put these in another room how do I do that so I started working on the side I would go out to the guy's house and I had no flipping idea you know how to do what I was doing but I was just better at it well I was better at it than they were I knew more about it than they did and at the time you know electricians didn't do stuff like that nobody did stuff like that so I was running speaker wire to the other room hooking it up to the amp making it work you know do all that kind of stuff uh, for people and they were paying me extra money to do that you know so I was making my salary at the at the store but then after hours, I was making, you know, more money on the side. And that's, I think, when my father started to realize, okay, well, maybe there's something maybe there's to something this. To you know, maybe, maybe he could do this, you know. And that's when, you know, uh, I, I developed a company called Sound Advice, uh, which ultimately grew into something called Sound Advice Systems, uh, which was a very sophisticated uh, home theater, custom home theater rooms, um, a home automation systems before that kind of stuff was even popular. Um, I was literally triggering things like curtains to open and stuff with like hard triggers and things that things that nobody even does today. But uh, you can do all that stuff with Wi-Fi now and, and, and wireless technology. And I, I ended up growing that into a you know a, a, a business that did you know about a million dollars a year in, in uh, business and just selling freaking stereos. You know. <laughs> so, um, but it wasn't easy, and I, I don't want to give anybody the impression that it was. It took a long time, and there were times when I had to, you know, sort of rethink what I was doing and go back to work for, you know, for the Christmas season or whatever and make some money working in the retail stores to kind of pay for my bills or whatever. Uh, my father was always good at supporting me, but he was also good about you know, making me live in the real world. You know, he Not didn't, he, he, right. He didn't, he didn't give me anything. He actually made me borrow it, you know, and I'd have to pay it back, you know, and because of that, I never got like spoiled or, or beyond the point where I just didn't understand that things didn't just get, get given to me. You know, I, I had to earn it, you know, and, um, and in, in, either earn it up front or earn it or, or pay them back, you know, and I always paid them back. And did that start from like your childhood or maybe? Yeah. Yeah. He was good about that right from the beginning. He knew, 
I think on some level that you know I was going to be different, and uh, which is which was neither good nor bad. It was just more challenging on some levels, yeah. and I think that he encouraged me to be. Uh, responsible, you know, at a very early age, you know, compared to what I could have been. Like the, a, a lot of the guys I was going to school with uh, were way less mature than I was at that at that stage. You were starting you know? to think about your future. Yeah, I mean, I was, and and it wasn't like thinking about my future the way my father thought about my future. I was thinking about my future like, what do I really want to do? Yeah. And and screw all these other people that say I have to do it this way. I want to do it my way. But if that's the case, how am I going to do that? I mean, I don't have any experience. How am I going to do this? You know, um, and it took just all kinds of experimentation. And I think the best advice I could have for somebody your age is, is it's it's hard to figure out what you want, especially in today's world, because there's just so many options. I mean, it's actually overwhelming amount of options. It so was it, it was back when I was your age too, but it's even worse now. And the reality is, what you really probably want to do is is get out there and try enough things and figure out what you don't want to do. It's a better move because as you go through that process, you're learning a ton of stuff, you know, and, and so you're trying all different things and getting exposed to things that you wouldn't normally get exposed to if you hadn't tried these different things. And Also, I feel like when you do things maybe you don't like to do, you get outside of your comfort zone. That's right. That's right. And you meet people you wouldn't have met. And, and frankly, the bottom line is uh, the reason I'm as successful as I am today is because of all the people and all the relationships that I made as I went through along the line. It has nothing to do with money, really. It's, it has everything to do, because without the people, the money doesn't mean much. You know, that's the bottom line. You know, all my relationships are my most valuable thing, awesome. you know, Life that I have. Life is all about relationships yeah. and building connections. It is. And the sooner you realize that, and the sooner, you know, when you get out of, of high school, for instance, um, high school is notoriously difficult uh, socially. Like, you know, you you're, you're all really hard on each other you know it's like you're really you judgmental worries. right you you judge each other really hard and even if you're not like that you're, you're part of it anyways you know you're part of that you, the, you are you're, you're part of the class that's actually being hard on that one person or whatever it is you know and it ain't gonna fly when you get out of the real world you 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 become the judged you know <laughs> uh, because now you're not established so so by the time you're done with high school you're a senior. You're the senior. You you know what's going on compared to the the freshman coming in. You know, um, when you but then you're suddenly thrust into the world where you're now you're less than a freshman. Yet. You're you're actually below the freshman level. You know, at yeah. that point yeah. on many levels, uh, especially from a real world business point of view. Yeah. Um, I think one problem with like high school and kind of that social environment mm -hmm. is like if someone will make one mistake. Or they hear one story that right. determines the person. Right, you're labeled. Label and, and judgmental. Uh, we have we have major issues in this society about that. Um, that I think your generation is less, you know, sort of apt to just swallow it than, than previous generations have been. I think everybody's kind of sick of it, and and your your generation, thankfully, is a little bit more um, interested in and in doing it differently. Um, doesn't mean you're still not caught up in the, in the same world that we are and all that kind of stuff. You kind of have to be. Um, but if you could learn to be non-judgmental uh, and, and really practice that, um, it's, a, it's a great thing because it'll serve you well later. And just you know? be understanding and open to other people. That's right. And, and just keep in mind that, that you, know, you could be in a bad position like that person you're judging at any given moment. You know, you could find yourself in that position very, very quickly and easily, you know. And so how would you want them to feel about you? I mean, how would, they, how would you want them to treat you? 
you know, treat others as the, you would have them treat you. You know, that's it sounds it's very sort of you know old school or whatever you know hokey or whatever you want to call it, but it's actually huge. It's a it's a massive thing if you can actually do that. You know, it's it's it, it's a game changer. It's a life changing thing. Not just your life, but others around you. Another piece of advice that goes with that, I think it's important to, to mention, is that you should always try to, when, whenever you're meeting with people, whenever you're in a group of people, the best thing to do is, is to really see if you can make every person in that group feel good about themselves before you leave. If, if you do that, and you do that in every circumstance that you get it yourself into and you get good at it, that will make you successful by itself. Yeah. Guaranteed. You leave, you leave an impact on someone. That's right, and and I'm I'm talking genuine, not not yeah. like you know ass kissing or like or you know right. I mean you're not you're not right. You're not doing that. It's just that if somebody starts saying something, then listen to what they're saying and actually care about it. You know, be interested. You know, don't don't be afraid to be interested. You know, it's it's okay even if you're not actually interested. Sometimes you kind of have to start and be interested in what that human being has to say, even if the topic doesn't interest you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and then even maybe once they start to open up about that one topic, that's right. They will switch gears, and you'll be on something. It's you know. it inevitably it, it's it's an interesting thing, and I'm not sure exactly how to explain it, but the it, it's sort of depending on how your your beliefs or what your beliefs are. Like to me, it's the universe, right? So the universe works in a certain way. It's very mysterious. You know, um, that's why we created religion and many other things to try to help us guide us through this whole situation. You know, and to me, the universe serves up stuff all the time, and you just have to be uh, able and willing to recognize it. You know, so if all of a sudden you showed up in front of me when I was standing there at VVM out of nowhere, you know, here you are, <laughs> you know, at a very young age, you know, I was very surprised, you know, to see you. But instead of just sort of writing you off because you were you know, young, um, I thought, oh, cool, interesting. You know, let's let's see what this guy has to say, you know. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate you giving me that opportunity yeah. to speak. And when we were talking, like, you gave me a lot of great advice. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember you talking about, like, how, like, you got to keep trying things and keep mm-hmm. failing. Yep. And that, you know, you don't know exactly what you're going to be now. Right. But you just got to get out there and get experience. Right. So I really appreciate you, like, mm-hmm. coming over and giving me that advice. No problem. And, and see what happened? Now we're like friends, you know, and it's like we, now we have this relationship that we'll just go on and do whatever, you know. We may never see each other again. That's okay, you know, but it's 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 karma. You know, we, we just created karma. You know, it's like there's there's a good feeling here. And and so if you do nothing else with your life but go around and have those create those good feelings, then you you will have succeeded. It, it, it's somewhat irrelevant whether or not you make money. Uh, money is just for material goods. You know, it, it's just it's just what you have to do to, to live in the society that we've created. Um, but it's not actually necessary for life and for happiness. You know, um, I mean that's a little bit deep, but it's it's true. You know, um, yeah. and for example, like you take people from like maybe a poor background or mm-hmm. like a yeah. lower income. Sure. Like sometimes those are some of the happiest people you've ever that's met right. because they they're not worried about material possessions or yeah. what I need or what I want. Well, the first of all, they don't even know enough to miss them because yeah. they don't they've never had them in the first place and those kind of people uh, are often very very successful because they don't they don't assume they're not privileged they're not empowered like out of the box you know they don't just assume that you owe me something 
You know, it's like now that I'm sitting here with you and spending my time with you, you know, you owe me. You know, it, they don't do that. That's not, it's just not in their nature. It's not something that they don't assume they owe, that anybody owes them anything, you know. Um, whereas the, the wealthy people, and believe me, I grew up in Longmeadow. I've, I've known many, you know, many, many, many uh, very, very wealthy people who uh, were very uh, close-minded, judgmental. Um, they've got a lot of money, but honestly, when you get to be my age, 57, by the way, is, is how old I am, um, you start to see those same people. Um, I went to a reunion not that long ago, and they're bitter, bitter, miserable people. Uh, they're very wealthy. They're, they're way well, more wealthy than I am, but I'm richer than they are by far, you know, uh, by a long shot, yeah. you know. I think it's really important because it's about, like, what's inside and not what's outside. Yeah, it really uh, is. You as a person and, like, what you have developed yep. to be yourself rather than maybe some materialistic, some status, something like that. Right. Exactly, and that's super important. It's it's I can't you know emphasize that enough. It's it's a huge issue. And once you get once you get that settled in your mind, and you treat people the way you should be treating people, you know what you do for a living and what you do as a business or an entrepreneur is is just sort of a a side note by comparison, because everybody that, that was in this room for community night um, that night you know that you and I met, um, hopefully you know, likes me and respects me on some level or another, you know, if they know me, obviously. And the that's worth more than everything I made that week, dollar-wise, you know, I mean, by far, you know. Um, and I just can't emphasize that enough. It's, it's huge, you know. So, like, I know you've been on this entrepreneurial journey for yep. a long time. Sure. What's, like, one, like, maybe, maybe, maybe major, like, hiccup or, like, yep. failure yep. that actually, like, led you to greater success in the mm -hmm. future? So I think I think one of the biggest, and it wasn't even that long ago. So about so in nine or nineteen uh, in twenty oh eight, the housing market crashed, and I had a business that was doing well, but it was really dependent on very wealthy people building big houses. Okay, and so two thousand eight, it didn't slow down; it stopped literally so I went from you know doing almost a million dollars in sales a year to a quarter of that and I still had all the overhead you know I still had a big showroom that I built I had five guys in trucks out there you know doing installs you know I had all kinds of overhead that didn't stop just because you know the sales stopped um, so it was a really come to Jesus type of moment where it was like uh, okay everything I just spent my whole life building is now in jeopardy. Um, so what you end up doing? So what I had to do. Uh, so 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 two things. What I did do was the wrong thing, which was I tried everything I could think of to save that business. I I I tried other ways of doing things. I tried there, you know, busting my ass on sales. You know, I did everything. I I tried like some some advertising. I tried all kinds of different things. You know that I hadn't done before, uh, in the way that I had done before. So. I did everything I could for about three years, and uh, it was the wrong, in hindsight now, I know that was the wrong thing because it failed. And what I should have done and what I would do now is I should have killed it right then when I knew it wasn't making money anymore. When it, once it wasn't profitable, I, I should have killed the business and moved on to something else, which I ultimately ended up doing. And what I did, uh, kill the business, I, I, I Obviously, now I've been doing this all my life, right? So literally, since I was a kid, the only thing I've ever done was sound advice systems. So 
I was really worried and, and very upset and scared and everything else because I didn't know how to make a living. I didn't know how to do it without it. You know, I, I had no idea, you know, what to do. So what I did was I looked long and hard. Uh, and again, I worked for some other people and, and just kind of figured out what I didn't want to do, you know. Um, and I ended up de uh, developing Tiger Web Designs uh, that following year. And when I did that, I figured out, okay, so, so part of the problem with sound advice was the fact that um, there was no reoccurring revenue. So in other words, there wasn't any model that I was using that allowed my, my clients to give me X amount of dollars a month. It was just commission-based. It, it was, right. So I either made a big sale that month or I made nothing. And it was impossible to predict. So, I mean, I might meet somebody and make a great sale for literally $50,000 home theater or something like that. Um, or I literally might not make any sales at all. You know, I mean, it was it, my accountant was absolutely nuts. He was just like, I can't, I can't help you with this business. It's, it's all over the place. You know, it's either up, down, or whatever. So when I built Tiger Web Designs, one of the reasons that I went into the web development business was because it has sort of built-in reoccurring revenue models. So, so X amount of dollars a month. It, you know, is so to so to do a website with my business, basically, it's it's a minimum of thirty four hundred bucks. Um, to build it, and then it's 280 a month to 1280 a month to maintain it and, and do all the services. And I've been doing that long enough now, where I now have a, a really, you know, all my bills are paid and then some by the reoccurring revenue model. And then when I make a big sale, that's all just cash. It's all yeah. just money. It's, in other words, it doesn't just go to paying the bills. You know, it's just it goes right into the bank. You know, um, and it's that's how I ended up getting back on my feet. You know, was was that whole thing, but. It took me years, you know, of, <laughs> I mean, I almost made that sound like it just sort of happened, but it didn't, you know, it took me a long, long time to actually get all that pulled together and actually make it work. As a matter of fact, the first year I was in business, I almost put myself out of business because I was trying to do business with small mom and pop businesses, like, you know, the local business down the street, the, the restaurants and the, and you either um, just like call them up or right. And, and I, and I love those. I mean, I love entrepreneurs and, and that's why I started an, an organization called living local, which is a nonprofit that I do now days but the problem is small business people don't have money um, and so I had to reinvent that model um, after the first year and say okay so now I need to go to medium-sized businesses you know strictly for Tiger Web Designs I can't work with small businesses and then I still had that in my heart so I started living local as a nonprofit organization that helps mom-and-pop you know small businesses that can't afford me ultimately you know um, and that's sort of covers both bases you know so I got my heart covered with this kind of stuff and then I've got financials covered with you know the other the, the business model basically yeah. does so that make like, sense yeah so what's one of your keys to like client acquisition is it just like your reputation or yeah. do you like yeah. have like a sales meeting with them no I, I I mean there are sales methodologies of course um, but in order to get to the sales process, you actually have to have some way of bringing in that lead or that, that qualified lead, right? So um, that is all about going out and, and contributing to my community. And, and for instance, most people in my position, especially back at the beginning, would go out to the chambers, local chambers of commerce and things like that. And then they'd go to one meeting and, and not really meet that many people and not really get anything out of it and just be like, well, so much for that. I don't want to deal with that. You know, who wants to sit around a stodgy meeting, you know, or whatever. So I figured it out and somebody took me aside once and, and, and helped me understand that 
the way that that works is you have to get involved and create relationships. If you don't get involved and create relationships, you're not going to get anything out of it. It's just the way it is. So you can't just show up at meetings. You have to actually get on the board and actually not just get on the board, but you actually have to be involved in stuff and do things with the people, other people that are on the board, you know, and other people that are in the organization. And now, after having done that, you know, not only am I getting business from all that, but I'm actually doing the, the Chamber's websites, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I never would have gotten those projects had I not established myself, you know, with those organizations. And, and again, it's not really the organizations, it's the people. Yeah. Um, hopefully that helps. Um, so you guys do a lot of web development. Do you yep. guys develop apps? Like, yep. Run me through like, kind of yep. what you guys do. Yeah, so, so what happened was um, in, in the software business, um, really in the web industry is, is, is really what it's called. And in the web industry, you have uh, obviously websites, um, but then you have web applications. And web applications are just basically websites, but it's, it's kind of like software, but it works in a browser. So it's, it's still software. Like Facebook, for instance, ha is, is a web application. It's not just a website. It's, it's, a, it's a software, it's, but it runs on a browser. Um, they have an app, obviously, for your mobile phone and all that kind of stuff, which is different. So you, so you have uh, websites, web applications, that's browser-based. And then you have uh, iOS apps, which are what they call native apps. So a native app would be a native application that runs on your phone, uh, or obviously Android also is a native app that runs on your phone. Um, what's confusing about it is they all run on your phone because your phone has a browser. Yeah. <laughs> your phone's all so, so trying to explain this to your parents is, <laughs> is usually not a good idea. Uh, but, you know, you, you should get your head around it and the fact that there's a difference because it's actually much cheaper to build a, a web app than it is to build a native app. And the problem is, of course, is if you build an app, you have to build one for iOS, and then you have to build another one right. for Android, and they're not compatible, or it's not something you can just, you can't make one and then sort of copy it and make the other. It doesn't work that way. Like they're completely different. And so is the web app, by the way. So realistically, if you're gonna create software, you, you're probably gonna end up creating three different applications. A web application, which is what you should start with because if you do a web application, everybody can use it on every device that has a browser. Um, if you just start with like an iOS app, then only people with iPhones are going to be able to use your app, yeah. you know, um, and same with the Android, obviously. But that's, yeah, we, we, we run the gamut of that. And I'm particularly specifically uh, focused on what they call UI UX, which is user interface, user experience. So what is the user interface and what is the user's experience when they're using that interface? And so sometimes I get hired just to come into an existing situation, whether it be a website or web app or whatever it is, and actually work on the fact that it's got a terrible interface, which is often the case, as you know, uh, everybody knows, you know, um, and or even if it's got a good interface, what's the experience like? You know, what's the user experience like? Is it is it is it good? Is it, that's that's right. I mean, that's a perfect example. Or or like, let's say that you go to the form and you go to fill in the form, and for whatever reason, your device doesn't work well on that, and so now you can't fill in the form, so you can't join, so you can't you know, participate in the app or whatever it is, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. It's just like an endless list of things like that. And even the largest companies struggle with it, you know? Um, they always have stuff that sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, Microsoft's been working on Office for like, you know, 30 years, and it's still not done, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's the truth. And so that's the industry, you know, that's that's the industry that I'm in is is it's never really done. So, and it's the same thing with a website. It's like you when you do a website, 
create a website, um, it's an ongoing process, or at least it should be. People don't think about it the right way. You know, the, the average person, and certainly the, the average entrepreneur, doesn't think about it the right way in the sense that it needs to change and ebb and flow with you in your business. Um, it has to represent your business at all times. Yeah. So it's you're not just like a one and done. Right. So your business doesn't just sit there, hopefully, because if it does, it's probably not going to do very well, right? So you're always, you know, doing different things and talking to different people and changing the business and doing different things. Well, that, that website needs to constantly represent that. You know, it can't just be static and stagnant. Um, so many people I, I, I deal with nowadays, especially in the mom and pop businesses, um, have websites they did in the freaking 90s, you know, that are the same website, you know, that's been sitting there all that time with the same information and the phone numbers are wrong, the addresses are wrong, you know, all kinds of different things are wrong, but they just don't realize that, you know, that is what represents your business. So web development is really all about like problem solving. Yep. What is like your approach when yep. a problem arises? I actually, I think the best way to put that is um, rather than taking software, which is what most people do, will take like a platform uh, that's already built like WordPress or something like that, um, and then look and see what, it's, what it can do. And just because it can do something doesn't mean it should do something. And so people don't apply the reality of what they're actually trying to do they just apply what the software that's or the platform that they're building on is capable of doing so instead what i like to do is actually talk about um, i'll use websites as an example because it's simpler um, when somebody lands on your website first of all who is landing on the website it, are they members are they customers are they existing customers are they new customers are they you know Sponsors are they whatever they are, right? So, so first step are is they like Bob from Chile, right? Exactly. Are they are they in America? Are they from elsewhere? Whatever it is. So, so define who it is that's going to use this thing first. You know, spend the most time on that. Like, that, a, like a buyer persona kind of. Yeah, I mean, who is it that you're trying to do business with? You know, who are you talking to when somebody lands on the website? What do you you know? And then the next step, obviously, is once you understand who's coming to the website. Now, now, of course, anybody can come to the website. You know, you can't base it on the entire you know human population. <laughs> this would be a little unrealistic, right? So you have to figure out who matters. You know, who who is coming to the website that matters or could be a real either a customer already or a potential customer, right? So you could be members or whatever that already exists or new members or somebody who's coming to buy a product or a widget or whatever it is. And then once you know who that is, now you need to create what I call pathways. So they need to have a clear pathway to the information that they that you need to give them and then a call to action at the end of that pathway. So what's your call to action? It could be contact us, it could be buy now, it could be join, it could be, you know, those are calls to action. So you, you have you know who's landing on the site, and then when they land on the site, you give them a clear path and a call to action. And that's if you use that methodology, it, it, it will work. A proven formula. Yeah, yeah. And and so few do it, it's unbelievable. I mean, what they do is you, you open up Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or whatever it is, right? And you grab a template that was made by some professional with other graphics, right? And then as soon as you try to replace the graphics that they used with your graphics, it now looks like shit, first of all. Second of all, you've now actually followed somebody else's, you know, methodology that was not made for your business. So, you know, I mean, unless you happen to find a plumber template and you happen to be a plumber, you know, I mean, maybe that works. Um, but if you've got a unique business on any level, then you really want it to be unique. 
you know, you, you don't want it to be cookie cutter, you know. Um, and the problem is, of course, is again, kind of going back to the mom and pops is you can't afford it. You know, that's, that's why the Wicks and the Weeblies and all that, got, all those guys are there because, and still exist, you know, after all this time, because, you know, it is the only option sometimes, you know. Um, and the problem with those platforms, by the way, is, is not that they're not good, they, they actually serve a purpose, but what you want to do is think about that in terms of renting a furnished apartment. So it's the same thing because you can't take that website with you. You can't take it and and go to a professional and say, okay, now I'm ready to, you know, have a have a more professional site. He won't. They won't do anything with it. It's 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 good as a point of reference visually. Okay, here's kind of what you have and and all that sort of thing. But you can't export that into anything real. You just have to think of it in terms of renting a furnished apartment. So it's all there. It's great. As long as you're not going to go anywhere, <laughs> you know, you're fine. Um, but, you know, it, it, if you ever get to the point where you're going to go to the next level, you're going to literally have to start over. So what does great user experience mean to you? Um, great user experience means that um, the call to action was, uh, is, you know, was, was used. So in other words, if, if, if they if they got to that point and they said yes, you know, clicked either buy or contact us or whatever it is that you wanted them to do, then you're successful. So in your process of like making websites and things, mm -hmm. do you think it's allowed you to understand people better because you're you're thinking about their motives, their decisions and their triggers? Yep. I mean I think it's even more the other way around. I think my experience with you know having all the experience I've had with people and putting myself out there and meeting so many and all that kind of stuff um, it, it allows me to turn around and apply that but it does certainly go the other way too you know it certainly helps um, in, in both directions really yeah so what do you think is like maybe the future of web design the future mm -hmm. of technology Yep. So I, I, I honestly think that two things are going to happen. One is uh, artificial intelligence is going to uh, simplify how we get the end result um, as far as, you know, taking you from a concept to a finished website is going to be more AI than it is anything else in terms of, um, in other words, you're going to be like answer a few very specific types of questions, maybe a whole bunch of questions, um, and then it'll sort of produce you a website, um, and then you sort of fill in stuff as you go or change things as you want, and I think that's going to be how things go from there. Um, however, we got a ways to go before it's that good. Um, it's close, but not quite. Um, many have tried. Um, the other thing that I think is very interesting is... Um, you know, the, the AR, VR, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if you're into Marvel and all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. But, but Tony Stark um, is, is kind of showing us what the future is as far as um, the types of interfaces we're, we're looking for. Um, most of the tech that's in those movies uh, on some level or another exists. That's where they got it from. You know, they, they, that's where they got the idea from and stuff. Um, but it's nowhere near, obviously, consumer level or something that any of us could afford, you know. Uh, but that's where it's going in the sense that it's, it's called experiential. And, and the bottom line is um, once they get to a point where we can do certain things um, that are practical, um, like, for instance, if I'm sitting here and I can just do something, like click on my glasses or something and have all of my emails come up and I'm still talking to you and doing my thing, you know, stuff like that. 
Um, I don't know. You remember the glasses that he has that he gave to Spider-Man and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I happen to be a Marvel fan, so. Uh, but I mean, that I think is next. I think Apple's going to be probably first to that table uh, with Apple glasses. Um, but the reality is, um, people that are doing content are actually the real, the real issue here because. Right now, VR and AR technology is already here and already very good. Um, it's actually even somewhat affordable. Um, it's gotten to the point where, where some of this stuff is a, for a few hundred bucks, you can get a really good headset, you know, for, for VR. Um, but there's no content, um, you know. And, and so people like James Cameron, who's, who's the guy that's doing Avatar and is going to be coming out with, I think, three more Avatars or something. Oh, really? um, he, he is actually working on technology that's three-dimensional technology that just does not require the glasses um, for the next movie. So the next Avatar movie you see is going to have technology that we none of us even know about yet. Um, it's crazy. It's, it, but, but that's who's going to drive it. So if you ever want to know what's going to happen like in the future and, and try to you know, sort of get predictable about that, um, don't, don't look at the technology people. Look at the, the people who are producing the content. So do you think AI will be able to like streamline other operations and make either our life simpler or maybe like more efficient in general? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is already, you know, on some levels uh, we're already using it. Even Siri, you know, right now, for instance, is, is pretty good. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with human beings catching up to the technology. I mean, technology sort of sprinted in my lifetime. Like when I, when I was your age, Literally, you know, the only people using a computer were like super geeks, you know, like the guys that, get, that were getting shoved in a locker. You know, that's the only guy that, that actually knew anything about computers whatsoever. And it was a terrible stigma, by the way. It's awful. Um, and it's still sort of there a little bit. But let's face it, the, the, the geeks have now, you know, pretty much owned the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and so, you know, therefore, it's, it's, it's kind of already here. And I think it's more a matter. So in other words, I think the technology is capable of doing more than what we're actually using it for. Um, because I think once your generation gets to be my age and the, and the, the ones coming up behind you, are going to be so much more accepting of all that and so much more. So for instance, I, I think a good example of that is like Elon Musk uh, has, has talked many times about a chip that you can actually put in your, in your head, literally under your skin, in your head, uh, which would allow things like I just talked about to be without glasses. You could you could have augmented reality stuff coming up and, and telling you things and doing all kinds of stuff. Or like in, even increase like your brain power. Yeah, uh, uh, whatever. You know, the sky's the limit once you go down that road. The problem is my generation would never accept that. That's There's no flipping way you're putting a chip in my head. You know, yeah, it's just yeah, that yeah. ain't happening. <laughs> you know, but your kids would probably be very open to it, you yeah. know. Well, it's because they've been brought up in that environment. Right. You right. know, exactly. Like a lot of humans, like yep. we're not exactly like um, adaptive to change as fast. No, know? we fear what we what we don't understand. Yeah. That's the we easiest. The that's unknown. that's the un, that's the best universal way to look at it. Is is all human beings are, are hardwired to fear what we don't know, mm -hmm. and it goes all the way back to the to, to the caveman days, if you will, in the sense of that's how we had to survive. You know, uh, animals all have the same thing. They have fear of, of what they don't understand, and they will fear it. And it's because like. Our brains want to keep us safe for a survival exactly. tactic. Exactly. You know, I mean, if if you're, you know, uh, a monkey or, or or even just you know a possum or something or whatever, you know, and and you're running around out in the wilderness, um, you run into something you don't 
recognize or understand, it's a really good chance that you should be afraid of that thing because <laughs> it's probably going to try to eat you. <laughs> you know, um, and you got to remember the kinds of things we originally grew up with. You know, in terms of a human race, you know, there were some pretty nasty things on this planet at that time. You know, <laughs> still are in some places. But yeah. our um, brains are hardwired to be fearful of things we don't know. Yep. How do you overcome that fear? Intelligence, working at it. You you have to work at it. You know, and and our society is 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 designed to do that very thing. You know, it, it tests us all the time. You know, in terms of what our beliefs are. You know, we have we have multiple religions. We have we have all kinds of different options now. You know, and so you have to to live in our society. I mean, a lot of people, for instance, uh, not a lot of people, but some people, uh, you know, go the hobo route, if you will. So in other words, they isolate themselves and don't want to deal with society. They go up to Alaska and build a cabin or whatever. And it's fascinating to, to, to think about that because in reality, uh, what they're really doing is they're just stopping their growth process. We force each other to learn. That's how it works. And I think everybody that just came out of uh, the COVID experience where we had to isolate all of a sudden, you know, those of us that were non-isolationists, if you will, um, people like me were really affected by that because my business wasn't affected because I'm, I, I do, I, I was doing online meetings, you know, for 10 years, you know, I, it's, it was not, you know, I, I was already well aware of Zoom and, and used to using it on a regular basis. Um, but uh, what I didn't do, I, was, I, I normally spend probably between 15 and 20 hours a week networking and just out there dealing, talking to people, doing stuff for people and so on and so forth. And I couldn't do that all of a sudden. Uh, and it really, it really affected me in the sense that I noticed um, that my skills were starting to go down a little bit. You know, um, I can have very and sharp conversations. Yeah, right. So conversation skills. You know, just just in terms of just saying, hey, you know, doing exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah. Just just having a conversation about things um, was noticeably. It's not like I lost it, but it's just, you know, it, it was different. It was it was a noticeable difference. You know, it's something I never expected or could have anticipated that that was going to happen. You know. Yeah, uh, I, I can definitely relate to that because over COVID, you know, yep. I was isolated as well. Yep. And I've always been a super social person and like mm -hmm. naturally been able to talk to people. Yep. And I realized when I came back. Um, yeah. I had a little bit of like social anxiety yeah. and stuff like that that yeah. I've never experienced before. And that's going back to our roots. That's that's the core. So you're left with the core. Whenever whenever you're not progressing and going forward, you you, you default to the core. What is the core? Sorry, instincts. The, yeah, our, our original instincts. You know, the instincts that we had to have to survive originally. I mean, very few of us understand at this point that that you and I have lived better lives, better quality lives um, than the majority of people who have ever lived on this planet. Oh. We could die today and we would still have lived better lives than most people that have ever lived on this earth. Yeah. And you have to understand that it's a fairly recent event that that survival isn't necessarily an issue. Now, obviously, some people still have to survive today. You know, there's, there's plenty of that, unfortunately. Um, but the reality is that's a different skill set. Surviving is a different skill set than it is to thrive. I mean, surviving is surviving. You, you have to just simply get to through the 
next day. Make sure you can eat. Make sure you have air. Make sure you have you know, water. Make sure you have the things that you literally need to survive. And that's when you see these survival shows. You know, the, some people are really good at that. They they're in touch with that 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 survival instinct. You know, and they're into that. You know, and that's what they do. But the truth of the matter is, most of them, if you talk to them, and I know a few of them, um, have miserable people skills. You know, that's why they're isolating themselves. You know, because they just like they can count on the instinctual stuff not easy things those are things that are harder than anything people like us could imagine because we've never had to worry about that shit you know we've had that since we were little you know since we were born but the reality is um there's the other side of it which is you know pushing the boundaries and that's exactly what society was meant to do you know is is help us all as a group we we are stronger than the individual you know and and but it brings tremendous complexity you know it's really there's a reason why it's so intimidating and scary and and you know freaks you out because it, it is it's it's incredible it's very difficult you know it's incredibly difficult to live in, in a society like this and thrive I mean, again, it's one thing to survive. It's a totally different thing to, to thrive. You know, um, most people don't get past survive in the sense of just, you know, the nine to fivers, if you will. And they really are surviving. They're just basically, okay, here's what I have to do. I have to do it. This is what I'm just going to settle for this and be done with it. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. But, you know, for me and people like me, uh, it's like a death sentence. You know, I just could never do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So what do you think is like the key? Obviously, it's not that simple, but you know, what is one of the keys to thriving in a society with so many variables like we have today? I think you got to be comfortable with yourself and understand yourself well enough to, to realize, you know, what what is it that I need? You know, what what is it that really matters to me? And, and if you understand that and you're comfortable within your own bones and within your own skin, um, you'll do very well. Um, if you're not comfortable within yourself and you're constantly looking for others to, to make you feel one way or another, you're going to struggle big time. So you have to rely on yourself and yeah. your own abilities? Yeah, understand, take the time to understand yourself you know, and understand what you really want you know, and, and stop putting so much value on other people's judgment of you you know it's it's even i don't care if it's your parents i don't care if it's you know uh, older siblings or whatever it is even though they love you and that's a genuine situation whether it is or not um even if they do they still have their own shit going on you know every human being has their own shit going on and we tend to put that shit on other people <laughs> you know? and sometimes it's like a subconscious thing. that's right you know, and, things and they, right up. and they don't mean to it's just it's again that's why it's so com complex it's very complicated yeah. you know maneuvering your way through this world you know another interesting thing that i've seen personally is like there's this thing about um maybe like people trying to be different or entrepreneurs with yep. the people around them they see them in a certain way, mm -hmm. and when they see they're getting past that certain way, mm -hmm. they want to bring them down because that's, that's where they're right. safe and that's where they know that's them right. the most. Again, we fear what we don't understand. Bottom line, and, and you've got to remember that. Like no matter what, you know, it's like just remember, it's people are going to fear what they don't understand. So if you constantly put in front of them something they don't understand, then they're going to fear you. That's how a lot of dictators have actually been successful is they put all kinds of things that were way over people's heads, you know, and did it in such a way and had a communication skill that, that allowed them to actually get to the top of the, the hierarchy. 
And now they're they're the ones that are saying, okay, well, here's how things have to go, you know. And if they don't go this way, then then you're a bad human being, you know. That that could go on and on. That's that's a little too deep to get into. <laughs> but 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 that's but that's you know it, it's 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 cool to share that kind of stuff because I had notions like much like yourself. Um, in fact, I think you're a lot like I was. And and the bottom line is. Uh, if I can't share all that experience, then what's the point? You know, uh, you know, it's, it's it's actually really nice to be able to do that. And you'll find, and this is a funny statement, but uh, you know, people with gray in their hair love to talk about themselves. Why? Because we have all this experience that you don't understand yet, and we know that. <laughs> so. So we want to. So right, many levels ahead. That, you and you, no matter, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what the deal is. You could be a hundred times smarter than I am, but you don't have the experience I have. Experience and, wins. And and experience wins exactly. You know, you could be unbelievably academically smart and still fail miserably, and many do. You know, you you, you find you seek out any professor, uh, you know, in any college. It's like at the top of their game, you know, like the best physics guy, the best mathematics professor, you know, the top guys. Uh, go to them and uh, ask them how what's life like. You know, Probably pretty unbalanced. Yeah, but look at their life, right? It's 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 are they happy? You know, and and I and I quite equate that to uh, the people who totally focus and and put their whole lives into making money. Like there's so much emphasis on making money that they forget to make relationships and to understand how to learn to to interact with people and and do things other than the, what they do for business. You know, I mean, there's there's obviously closing a deal and all those kind of skills and things like that. That's people skills, right? But you know, how many of those people actually you know care about you and and, and like would want to hang out with you after work or something like that? You know, to me that matters. Some people it doesn't. Um, but I've worked with enough wealthy people uh, who are miserable. And it's not because they have money. It's because they didn't figure out the rest. <laughs> you know? So I know you've become a vet, uh, mentor at Valley Venture yep. Mentors. Like, mm-hmm. What has teaching done for you in your life? Teaching Actually, others? teaching, especially particularly mentoring um, entrepreneurs and business and stuff like that, is, happens to be what I'm into, but it could be anything, any kind of mentoring, um, is the best teacher in the world. Um, you learn more from mentoring than you do from learning, like, you know, conventionally learning. Um, people teach you about yourself, you know, via their own experiences and stuff like that. So a lot of times, for instance, um, you know, I end up mentoring here at Valley Venture Mentors, somebody who does something that I don't understand at all. Like, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, like, like something simple. Like, for instance, I, I, I was mentoring a guy who was doing these really nice uh, granola packages, and he was doing it for a cause. You know, he had a, a great uh, charity. And I don't know a damn thing about cooking, you know, getting a commercial kitchen set up and, and cooking granola and all that stuff. But I, you know, I'm inter- I, I, I do understand business fundamentally, and I understand how to go through the process. And so I went through the process with him, and, and he... He really taught me like what matters to him was not the granola, it was the cause. And he was so caught up in that that he wasn't able to sell the granola to make the money to help the cause, right? So by working together, we, we eventually ended up in a really good situation and he now does very well and, and makes very good money for that cause. Um, that taught me a lot. I mean, before that, I'd never even... So so I have Living Local, which is my nonprofit organization, but that's only a couple of years old. So I had never done the nonprofit thing before, you know. Um, and because I had mentored him through that process, 
when I went to do my own nonprofit, I had a much different perspective on that than I would have had had I not mentored him through that process. Get it? Yeah, he talked to you through that experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so know. When you're mentoring someone and maybe you know, you know they have an idea that probably won't work, mm -hmm. how do you steer them in like the right direction? You, you, you don't. You don't. You, you don't. You never ever steer anybody. That's if you're really going to be a good mentor. Because if you're steering, you're probably self. Well, you know, in other words, you're steering them in the direction you feel is right. So one of the interesting things about VVM is is the fact that um, when you're mentoring, and this is a hard thing to get, uh, the better mentors are the ones who don't steer anybody anywhere. Um, you you basically look and say, instead of saying, you know, I was looking at your numbers and it doesn't look like you're going to make any money, so how is that going to work? You know, what's, what's the deal with that? Well, that's not, that's not mentoring. That's not helpful. That's not going to do anything. You know, you might be right. You might be totally right. But instead, you say something more along the lines of, so I was looking at the numbers and for me, I, I'm not really seeing how that's going to work. Can you help explain to me why that's going to work or how that's going to work? And that's, that's mentoring. You know, that's that's you pose it as a question. Yeah, because because ultimately, I don't know. I mean, you know, if, if you happen to be sitting in front of a guy who's about to invent Facebook, but you don't know what Facebook is and have nothing to do with it. And there's never been Facebook in the you know, produced in the world before. I could tell a guy, you know, you're, there's no freaking way this is going to work. You know, how could this possibly work? Right. And that happened to Zuckerman. I mean, he, he had naysayers, plenty of them. Right. Um, and the bottom line is, as a mentor, if, if somebody did the opposite, which would say, well, how is this going to work? And what, what is it that you feel you have differently that would make this work? And, and, and dig into it with them. Just by doing that is is the mentoring process, as far as I'm concerned. That's that's what it is, is, is taking somebody who has a lot more experience in general, both usually both in life and in business, and just bouncing that same idea. You know, like if you had an idea for something, you're better off bouncing it off of me than you are most other people. If you just bounce it off your dad or bounce it off your older brother or, you know, some older people you know, acquaintances or whatever, or your neighbor or something like that, again, they're just naturally going to bring their own shit to the table. It can't, they can't help it. It's not an intent. They might love you. They might just, you know, or whatever, but they don't understand how to mentor an entrepreneur. You know, um, and I, that's a learned thing. I had to learn how to do that. It took me years to be a good good mentor, you know, for an entrepreneur. Um, and I believe that, that mentoring a good an entrepreneurial mentor, if you will, is different than, say, a big brother. What is something in the past that has held you back from, like, reaching your potential or something mm -hmm. like that? Or mm -hmm. even hold you back now? Yeah. I mean, I think that is the same as it is for everybody. I mean, financials are always, a, a, you know, financial is a real bitch. If, if, it's, if it doesn't work, if it isn't working, then there is no mercy in the sense of, you know, if you can't, and, and particularly when you're an adult, obviously, and you have a house and you have kids and you have things to pay, it doesn't stop just because it got difficult or, or just because what you're doing didn't work. You know, that stuff is still there and now you're responsible and now you're in big trouble. So that's why people get all conservative, you know, and, and just say, eh, instead, I think I'm just going to work here and make this money because I know that'll be there. You know, yeah, I'll play it safe and uh, or be normal, let's call it, because it is normal to do that. Yeah, you have to remember sure. that, you know. 
90% of the people in this world do it that way, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's just that it is, if you're the entrepreneurial type and a lot of people are, but not strong enough to actually, or, or, or ballsy enough, if you will, to actually go out and do it and actually survive on it. So now what you see a lot in these days, um, is people who have a side gig. Um, and those are entrepreneurs who, who aren't really entrepreneurs at, for a living, but they but they do it on the side to get that that extra out of it, you know. Something that, that they're just not going to get from that job, you know. Um, and there's all kinds of ups and downs about that, obviously, because your time is needed in both ways, and your focus and all that kind of stuff can be taken away from your real job, you know. So employers don't necessarily like that very much, <laughs> you know. Um, what else? What else you got? Um, what is like your definition of success? That's a good one. So to me, definition of success is literally happiness. And I say literally in the sense of, you know, am I happy overall with what I've done, what I'm doing, and what I'm going to do? Um, I want to be happy with all of that, you know, and, and that to me is true success. Um, I, I, I have commercial, or, or I have commercial, I have, uh, you know, uh, needs, you know, I like really cool electronics. I love having a really nice house and a decent car and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, obviously money does come into play and it has to be integrated into that, that, that happiness process, if you will. Um, but I, I've just, I've never been one to be able to do something for a living um, that I'm not getting happiness out of. Thanks for listening to another episode of the MindMel podcast. If you enjoyed it or it opened your mind to a new perspective, please share the link to this episode with a friend or on social media. See you next week.